You join us here on our perch at the far end of the bar. He's Ben. He's Richard. And just before you joined us, we were talking about old cherished books. Oh, yeah. I love an old cherished book. So I'm not necessarily thinking here that we need to talk about the classics, much as I like a classic. And I I spent a, a fair bit of my son's youth trying to get him to read Jane Austen, but he wouldn't have any of it. Don't blame um, him. No, 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 no. Some of the funniest writing in the English language. But that's not what I, I'm not trying to be preachy about book. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to say that there are some books that you will have in your possession that you really wouldn't like to lose. Mm. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what immediately springs to mind. Go on then. Is the books of Jennings and Derbyshire. Okay. By uh, Anthony Buckeridge, if I remember correctly. Right. And, um, yeah, those were, I mean, I was a voracious reader as a child, and I don't know what it was about the Jennings books, but they really struck a chord with me. Because, um, uh, what was the other one about school day? William? Just William? Just William. That was the more popular series, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I think. But Jennings made me laugh a lot. And there were always wonderful uh, illustrations. Just little line drawings. They were nothing complicated. Just little line drawings. That, especially with William books, I, I, I didn't, I didn't really read the Jennings books. I'm aware of them, but, but the Just William books I did read, and I loved. Mm. And he always had his cap askew and his tie, you know, off to the side. Uh, the Jennings books. I've still got a couple of them upstairs. Musty yeah. old hardcovers. Indeed. And you would never get rid of them. Never think of. No, rid never of them. would. And every time I think of Jennings, I think of Mr. Wilkins, who was one of the teachers. And his catchphrase, which was whenever he came across a young child doing something daft, he'd say, I, I, <laughs> Inspiration for at least three of the Simpsons characters there. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I've got, um, have you got any childhood annuals? I don't think I have any more. I think I'm... Um, I think my mum had a clear out when I left home. Oh, right. I, okay. I, I used to collect what my, now then what was it? I had the shoot annuals. Yeah. Um, Eagle was another oh, one. Yeah. Wizard and Chips. Wizard and Chips. Yeah, that Eagle, was my that was, um That was Dan Dare and the Mekon. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Or otherwise known these days as Dominic Cummings. <laughs> but uh, but those were fantastic. I, I was always surprised that Dan Dare never made it. I think I was going to say never made it to television series or. or uh, the movies, but was was there a movie of Dan Dare? I've got a vague memory of it. Was hugely popular. Yeah, I reckon there must have been a Dan Dare movie. You can tell we don't Google this before we we sit here talking about it. No, <laughs> done from memory. Um, there's um, th- there's some old Jerry Anderson annuals, Joe ninety, uh, Thunderbirds definitely. I, I say Joe ninety, but. I, I think I had a Joe 91, but I wasn't that keen. My two Jerry Anderson big series were Stingray and Thunderbirds. Mm. Um, and and my mother kept all of that stuff and handed me a suitcase full of other things a couple of years ago, and then they got handed on to my son. And then they've come back to me because I said, oh, don't get rid of those things. Mm. But it, it does remind me that when I was producing a, a thing called Teleaddicts back in the um, late 80s, early 90s, it was a TV quiz. Um, I, I, I had all these. I had all these books. 
see, right, which helped us kind of go back and think about things and look at questions and such like. Um, and I was uh, living basically out of digs in Birmingham, parking my car and wherever I could park it. And in my briefcase, I had a whole bunch of these books. And I, the the car got done yeah. in the days when when people used to smash the car window in and steal your radio. Yeah. I mean, that's almost a thing of the past now, isn't it? They, they I don't think do so. Because they're all integrated, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, it's not even a thing that there is a radio in it. It's all part of the gizmos. Um, so I had my briefcase stolen. They obviously thought there would be gold bars in there. Yeah. Instead, instead of which there was all this rubbish. So I thought, well, I, I've seen the last of that, uh, which was a great sadness to me. And then a couple of weeks later, I had a call from a police station in Birmingham who'd tracked me down because they found my briefcase. Yeah. I said, oh, well, that's very nice. He said, well, uh, this is where you have to come. Uh, he gave me the address, and I trundled around there one lunchtime, and I said, um, I'm the guy you found about the briefcase. Oh, right, sir. Um, just to make sure that it is yours, could you describe anything that's in there? I said, yes, there's a Lone Ranger annual and something from Stingray. Can you imagine his look? Can you imagine a grown man looking at a policeman saying, yes, my cherished books in that briefcase were Stingray and Lone Ranger? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's a good job it wasn't your collection of Razzler and his wives. <laughs> Can I offer you a drink, sir? Well, okay. All right. <laughs> he said with some trepidation. As strawberries are to Wimbledon, the mint mm. julep is to the Kentucky Derby. Okay. A tradition that uh, dates back to the 1930s. Now, I'm going to ask you straight away, have you ever had a mint julep? No. No, you've never had the mint julep. I've never even heard of a mint julep. Oh, really? I th oh, I thought you'd be all over this, a man of your sophistication. <laughs> um... A mint julep is kind of like a mojito. Is it? Yes. You've never had a mojito, have you? Uh, I have had a mojito. Right, okay. Well, it's, it's a refreshing combination of mint, sugar, bourbon, water, which is perfect for, for sipping on hot days. Very popular mm. in the south of the United States. Uh, the main difference between a mint julep and a mojito is that it uses bourbon instead of rum. Okay. So that would be the difference... So you can have one of those, um, and if you accept my offer of a mint julep, you'll be in very good company because CNN estimates that around about 127,000 mint juleps are served over the two days of the Kentucky Oaks and Kentucky Derby Festival at mm -hmm. Churchill Downs each year, uh, and that calls for 10,000 bottles of ready-to-serve Old Forester mint julep. Oh, it's, it's pre-mixed. Well, it, it certainly is for the Kentucky Derby days. Um, there's £475,000 worth of crust ice and £2,250 of fresh mint. Wow. Just think about that. That is an awful lot of mint, isn't it? In fact, to put that in perspective, the amount of mint used is heavier than a grand piano. Wow. And it can't play Chopin. I wonder what sort of volume that, what sort of space that would fill it's that huge, much mint. Huge, because you know mint is what. What does a what's a mint leaf weigh? I mean, you put it on my scales, it would weigh nothing. So that's an awful lot of mint. So you need an awful lot of mint 
for the Kentucky Derby Festival. The standard mint julep on uh, Derby Day will cost you $15, which is fair enough. What's that? About 12 quid? Uh, at the exchange rates at the moment, it's about £3.50. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and it comes with a souvenir glass as well. $15 and a souvenir glass. But if you really want to push the boat out with your mint julep, mm. your very first mint julep, as you go and watch the Kentucky Derby, uh, you can splash out anything up to $2,500 on a deluxe version of the fancy cup, etched right. with the twin spires motif of Churchill Downs Racecourse that will allow you to remember all the money that you lost on Derby Day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I draw on the mint julep very often as an illusion of the deep, deep south. I don't think I've ever had one either. Well, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like something we could make. It, well, well we shall have a go the next yeah. time we go to the Derby or Derby, uh, depending on whether you say Derby or Derby. I think we should meet in your garden and have one whilst watching a, a race on the television. I was going to uh, pick you up on your Derby Derby. How come it's the Kentucky Derby and not the Kentucky Derby? It's the Derby. Well, well yes, it's not, because if you're in America, it's the Derby. Well, we're um, not in America. Uh, well, which came first, our derby or their derby? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but th there was a very famous restaurant in uh, Los Angeles called the Brown Derby. Derby. A derby <laughs> hat in America is a bowler. Derby hat. And the Brown Derby was in the shape of a bowler hat. Brown derby. And just to make things <laughs> even more confusing, although... We would talk about a derby, and we would talk about Derby County as a football mm -hmm. team. When Cluffy was at Derby County, um, you know, the word derby was on everyone's lips because mm. they had such a great side. But my grandfather always called them derby. Did he? Always. And I don't know, they're, they're, he was a West Countryman, uh, and I don't, there's an awful lot of linguistic uh, similarities between the West of England and American English and pronunciations. And I don't know whether that comes from there or whether he was just no stripperous old sod. <laughs> <laughs> but he, I, as much as I would say it's Derby, no, 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 Derby. Well, had he served with Americans or? No, no, no. He, he was a fire watcher during the, during the uh, great unpleasantness of uh, 39 to 45. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah, so he didn't catch that from the Americans. Well, we shall uh, we shall have a mint. What was it called? A mint julep. A mint julep. A mint and, julep. Yes, we shall. When the sun shines again, we shall julep together and contemplate the Derby Derby conundrum. Got something you want to tell us? Email the far end of the bar at gmail.com or find us on Insta, Twitter, or Facebook using the hashtag TFEOTB. Pub quiz. Always up for a pub quiz. Oh, I almost forgot my cash phrase. Here we are, cash prizes. Um, <laughs> leafing through my copy of Things to Talk About to Your Mates Expanded Edition, Ooh. Uh, there's a section on handicrafts. Mm -hmm. So question one, and you can choose to answer these now or later. Probably later. Okay. There was a list of things that we do with our hands. 
and next to one were these words, probably the most ancient of all crafts. So what would that be? What would be the most ancient of all handicrafts? That's question one. Question two. What links iconic singer Bob Dylan yeah. and iconic American Broadway star Ethel Merman? A woman uh, whose voice was so loud when she sang in New York it would startle moose in Canada. <laughs> What links the iconic singer-songwriter Bob Dylan with the iconic American Broadway star Ethel Merman? Hmm. And the third and final question today. Lee Montague kicked it off. Alan Bennett finished it. Bernard Cribbins seemed to be all over it at the time. Six Doctor Who's tried it. What am I talking about? Lee Montague kicked it off. Alan Bennett finished it. Bernard Cribbin seemed to be all over it. Six Doctors tried it. What am I talking about? I'm not feeling confident this week. Oh, I don't. I, think I thought you'd be over at least two of those. I reckon I'm heading for no out of three. Ah, oh, nil point. We'll this we'll find out a bit later then. Okay. Absolutely desperate cogitation. take you to Fitzgerald, Georgia, okay. a town of approximately 9,000 residents, mm-hmm. where the former mayor, one Jim Puckett, was ousted by voters, finishing up with a measly 5% of the vote, having been the incumbent mayor for four years. And the reason was, there was a huge row over his plans to construct a 64-foot 10-inch tall topiary bush in the shape of a giant chicken. Of course. (laughs) Uh, It was uh, supposed to be tall enough to clinch the record for the world's tallest topiary. Oh, 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 just topiary. I thought he was going for the tallest chicken. I mean, I I imagine it's going to be there with the the tallest chicken as well. They're probably going for two records in one. Uh, It's actually, they started the construction so whatever you put up as the skeleton to form a giant topiary around has been erected. Right. That's cost $300,000 at wow. tonight. And one of the design ideas is to have a room in the base of the uh, erection where people could stay for the night if they wanted to. And collect the eggs. Underneath the giant chicken. And the reason that he thought it would be a good idea was to attract tourism and to reflect the history of the town, which was the place in the 1960s when a bunch of South Asian jungle chickens were dumped in a nearby forest so in order to try and attract hunters right, to the, uh, to the town and boost tourism again. But unfortunately the chickens decided they preferred the actual town. And they left the forest, and now they still, to this day, run amok through the town of Fitzgerald in Georgia. I just like the sound of this place. I do. Uh, um, 
you can't you can't say the word chicken in America without thinking either of rebel without a cause or the fact that you cannot walk anywhere across a road without somebody trying to mow you down so you pay chicken or you know, the old <laughs> jaywalking thing. But the idea that a that a uh, that a town should celebrate the fact that it was invaded by South Asian chickens uh, and wanted to erect the tallest chicken in topiary ever in the whole of the world doesn't surprise me. No, it doesn't. It's not a surprising story, is it? It's it's more of a confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> there are a, and and as as you were talking about that, I was thinking this is possibly a category that we should look into. And I don't have facts or figures or examples at my fingertips at the moment, but giant edifices in America, giant man-made edifices. Yeah. Now, I talked about the, the Brown Derby restaurant in the shape of the bowler hat. Derby, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> in the shape of the bowler hat. This restaurant in the shape of a bowler hat. Um, I think of in an enormous orange sitting on the side of the road uh, in Florida, uh, which mm-hmm. is which is just like a store for T-shirts and stuff, because you look at it from the road and you think, "My God, that's that's an extraordinary thing." And then you just go inside and it's just a shop. <laughs> uh, and the disappointment, the, the, there's nothing in there that links the outside to the inn. Yeah. In fact, in fact, this is the place where the most. This is true as I sit here. The most optimistic storekeeper in Florida um, plies his trade in the giant right. orange. He said he's in the giant orange. There is a huge giant orange. And he's not selling oranges. He's not selling oranges. It's in Florida. Right. The home of oranges. It's 94 degrees outside. And this guy has got a section selling snow shovels. <laughs> <laughs> in the giant orange yeah brilliant no. well I was going to make uh, the former mayor of Fitzgerald Jim Puckett my hero of the week but I think actually I'm going to change it the snow shovel in the giant orange in Florida man <laughs> but we should come back to this giant edifices man made edifices in America original oils by Richard Leslie Lewis visit ambleyart.com A-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y-A-R-T dot com Browse a stunning range of original art or commission your own little piece of joy. Perhaps a portrait of a pet or a loved one or even your favourite celebrity. Each piece unique and original to you. Visit ambleyart.com A-M-B E-R-L-E-Y-A-R-T dot com Shall we come back to the answers to the pub quiz? <sighs> yeah, I'm dreading this. Let's do it. All right, okay. So, um, I was talking about this book uh, about handicrafts and a list of things that we do with our hands. And next to one were the words, probably the most ancient of all crafts. Mm. So what would that be? Well, the only thing I can think of is going way back when they used to take the hide of an animal and turn it into clothing or bedding or, you know, 
clothing or bedding. <laughs> Those are the only two options I can come up with. Or maybe maybe something to eat off or with. Uh, so either clothing, bedding, eating implements... <laughs> Something along those lines. Well, anyway, very, close, very, misery. very, very close. I have to say, well worked out. Uh, it's knotting. Knotting. Yeah. Knotting. Knotting. Has, man has been lashing things together for thousands of years. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if the Egyptians invented the sheep shank or the round turn and two half hitches, but they were certainly using them. Um, at the last count, there were over 4,000 different kinds of knots. Wow. And they go way back. And when you think about it, you know, before the hammer and nails. Well, that's all they had, they right? They had to lash themselves together with something. Not. I wasn't, I'll get a mark for that then, right? I wasn't far off, eh? You know, what the do? do? Bedding, eating. <laughs> what was the other one? And clothing. I'll get a mark for that because it was knotting. Because it ends with ing. No. All right. All right, then. Nothing. Okay. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Oh, You'll get this one. Uh, the link between the iconic singer-songwriter Bob Dylan and American Broadway star Ethel Merman. That was the most inappropriate use of you'll get this one I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the link, but the only, the only, I can't even think of a possible link, so I'm just going to say Ethel Merman sold dope to Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you certainly win the prize for the most inappropriate answer of, of the week. Um... No, they, they, they share, share the same last name. Hey. Originally, Bob Dylan was Robert Allen Zimmerman. And Ethel Merman was Ethel Agnes Zimmerman. Ah. So they share the same name. Um, I was going to lead you a, a merry dance with the, the idea that Bob Dylan didn't do a disco album, but Ethel Merman did. And if you've never heard... The Ethel Merman disco album. Okay. Spotify it or however you get your music. And just amaze your friends at Christmas time with the Ethel Merman disco album. It is fantastic. Is it like a proper banger or is it fantastic in the well, it, way it, that it, Captain it, Kirk's cover of Pulp is fantastic? Well, I don't know if you're aware of, of uh, the sound of Ethel Merman's voice, but, but she was a huge Broadway star, and, and certainly there was no need for a microphone uh, anywhere near her because she could really belt him out. I mean, you could be in the street outside in New York with all the traffic going past, and you heard every word. Okay. I mean, she was she, she was well-known as, as really singing loudly. Uh, uh, but but a terrific star as well, you know, a terrific right. star. Uh, but she did do she did in a, a in a twilight years she did a disco album, which See, is well worth finding. You think that at my New Year's party with my fifteen year old and twelve year old and their friends, I should <laughs> I should put on Ethel Merman's pop bangers and I'll be the talk of the town. Yeah. Yes, I mean, you know, if talking of the town, if get that crap off the uh, radio. <laughs> Although, you see, you know, it, it's all covers of well-known disco songs, so, you know, they may be... I don't, I don't remember she sings in the Navy in that, but anyway. Okay. Um, the, the other thing about Dylan, is, and I don't know if you know this, um, his original name, as I say, is Robert Allen Zimmerman, but he also went by an, a, a fair few other names, for different right. reasons. His Hebrew name is Shabtai Zizel Ben Avram. Mm -hmm. uh, he also signed in to 
um, hotels is Elston Gunn, Blind Boy Grunt, Bob, Lardy, uh, Bob Landy, mm -hmm. Robert Milkwood Thomas, Tedham Porterhouse, Lucky Wilbur, Boo Wilbury, Jack Frost, Sergei Petrov, and Zimmy. I mean, some of those are more likely to raise suspicion than others, wouldn't you say? I'm always fascinated by the names that celebrities use to sign into or book hotel rooms mm. because very often they don't want to give away the fact that they're, they're staying somewhere because however good your so-say security is on reception, there will always be somebody ringing up a paper to say, you'll never guess who just signed in here. Mm. Um, uh, and, 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 and again, it's a subject that we will come back to because the, the, I know Elton John uses lots of really funny ones, so we should come back to that. Finally then, Lee Montague kicked it off, Alan Bennett finished it, Bernard Cribbins seemed to be at it all the time, six doctors tried it, what am I talking about? Right, I'll give you a clue. Tea Time, BBC One. Tea Time, BBC One. Hmm. Um, For the kids. Uh, on the weekend? No, Monday to Friday. Jack and Ori. Yay! Hey. Wasn't that great? Jack and Ori. Still going now, Jack and Is Ori. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They still get. Uh, I'm not sure if it's still called Jack and Ori, but they certainly have uh, lots of famous people reading stories for kids. Did you know where that title comes from? Because I didn't. I don't know. I know. You know, it kind of goes in a nice rhyme, doesn't it? Um, I didn't. I looked it up. It comes from uh, a book from 1760, the top book of all for little masters and misses. Um. And the rhyme is, I'll tell you a story about Jack Anori. And now my story's begun. I'll tell you another of Jack and his brother. And now my story is done. There we go. Anyway, that's where it comes from. Jack A. Nori. And it became Jack Anori. Um, Kenneth Williams was a favourite. Spike Milligan used to do it very often as well. Lots of oh, actors no. were very, very good at it. I remember Kenneth Williams doing it, definitely. Uh, uh, Will of the Wisp and the such. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Um, as we're talking stories, I'm going to leave you today. I'm going to clear off out of it. I've got things to do. Um, <laughs> what, more, more important than this? No, surely not. I'll leave you with a slice of true romance. Oh, lovely. The kind of novellas that contain the best of the worst or the worst of the best. Okay. You'll like this. I'll, my best voiceover voice. Oh, for free. You lucky people. Audra said, come to the house on the beach. That evening we drove the coast road as it twisted and turned. The cool breeze off the mighty Pacific danced through my hair as we threw back our heads and laughed at our luck. We kicked off our shoes and walked on the beach, sat listening to the ebb tide as it licked the shore watched as the sun set. The warm glows of orange turned to pink and then magenta's lady darkness enveloped us, kissing the earth with her sumptuous black velvet cloak that brought forth a billion twinkling stars. As we sipped our mint juleps and talked of life, 
a thought suddenly crossed my mind. I wonder if they sell Malibu in Little. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote that, but I found that on a piece of paper the other day. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. <laughs> so there we are. That's got a, a very welcome touch of Victoria Wood about it, I'd say. Oh, does it? Oh, well, I can't. Wouldn't uh, you? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, for Alan Benedict, perhaps, perhaps. Yeah, a potent mixture of the two. I'm off to buy a brown derby. Okay. <laughs> so until we meet again. Derby. <laughs> Reservoir. Cheerio. That's time at the far end of the bar. You've been listening to Richard Lewis and Ben Orr. If you enjoyed your time with us, please don't forget to like and subscribe to make sure you catch the next episode. And find us on all the socials. Just search hashtag TFEOTB or email us at thefarendofthebar at gmail.com. Cheers! Cheers!